we're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those. Something big about to happen. I hear the beat tapping. We some fly rum and felines rapping on the track. Better yet, grab a gat, cause we hot like. Enzo, doors closed, windows up, cause that's the way we like to ride. Windy City hitting. Check mic 1212. We live, baby. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. What's up, Park Forest, Illinois, and welcome back to Speak Your Mind Radio Podcast. It's September 8th, 2022, and a lovely 81 degrees outside, okay? <laughs> and I'm your hostess with the mostest, Queen Star, aka Miss Hip Hop. And thank you all for tuning in to another incredible interview. We are now streaming on YouTube, on the Speak Your Mind Radio, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon, and Apple Music. You know, wherever you get your podcast fixed. Speak Your Mind Radio is there, period. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can watch this, um, like I said, this very lit episode on Speak Your Mind Radio uh, YouTube channel. Do not forget to subscribe and like and share to your friends, family, and colleagues. Okay. Okay, guys. Um, my homie Lil Queen Tasha from Philly Jams 95.3 is back again to co-host with me today. And we have a very interesting interview with a powerful artist who goes by the name LP Head Trip from Ohio. And the brother caught my attention out at the Main Street Summer Nights Music Fest in Park Forest on July 7th. And he was performing with his live band, Basil and the Supernaturals. And he was rocking the freaking mic, y'all, okay? So therefore, I had to ask him to come on today's show, and we will be talking with LT Headtrip about his career from the age of 18, moving to New York to pursue his dreams, you feel me? And we will also talk to him about the times he shared the stage with artists like Ben's Marquis, Ghostface Killer, and many more, and how he became the founder and CEO of a rap I'm, I'm sorry, an art rap label known as We Are The Karma Kids, and how he grew to become a name in the underground hip-hop scene. So, we will also be discussing his single, <laughs> So In My Head, which I'm always in my head, y'all, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get out. It really is, I promise you. Um, <laughs> which we will only play his, this song um, during this interview on Spotify. So make sure you get your Spotify accounts out. It's free and easy. Okay. Um, yeah, so this program is going to be lit. And don't forget to rate and share this podcast with your friends and family. You know, that, that dog, cat, whoever. You feel me? Okay, so let's get into it. <laughs> All right, LT Head Trip, um, we start off each and every 
episode with an icebreaker question for the artist. So let's get started. All right, let's do this. All right. What's considered more important to you? The past, the present, or the future, and why? Well, out of the three of those, only one truly exists. The future is hypothetical, right? We are pretty sure the next moment will occur, but we can't be certain because it doesn't exist yet, right? The past theoretically could still exist, but the way that humans exist, it's already occurred and there's no going back, which kind of makes it also hypothetical. If you think about it, the idea of tomorrow is a metaphor that doesn't really exist. So I got to say, you got to live in the present. No regrets. Mm. Keep it moving. Wow. Uh, like that, that was good. Yeah, I like that too. That was straightforward to the point. Uh, theoretically speaking, you're right. Period. Yeah. Right? Right? And and of course, if I had to rank them, living for what's coming next is a lot more realistic as well. Why are you going to look out into your past, spend your time thinking about what could have been? I mean, everything that has occurred brought you to this point. Um, and I, I know not everybody's happy with how their life is going, but if you're not happy with how your life is going, hey, you're still alive at least, you know, and you have a, <laughs> you have each moment to, to rectify or, or to just exist in the way that you want to. Very true. So I wanted to know your name, LT Headtrip. Where mm-hmm. did that name come from? You know, I was about 17 right i remember i was going on a college trip to check out some universities in new york city and i'd come up with the name hectic um so head trip is kind of a combination of hectic and patrick my government name right um i'm also just about playing with people's minds a little bit with my music i like taking idioms and flipping them so things that you normally hear on a day-to-day basis, just just tweaking them a little bit and messing with people's minds, getting them to open up their their perception a bit. So head trip was an easy thing to land on. And the lieutenant part, LT stands for lieutenant traditionally, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted in the vein of, you know, MC Hammer or Dr. Dre. I wanted a, a title. Okay. And I've always kind of been the head of a small group of people that work really hard, but not necessarily the best out of all of them. I just have a skill of knowing what roles people fill and giving them space to do what they're best at, which is basically what a lieutenant does in most traditional senses of the word. Also, LTHT just sounds good. I remember I called my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm I'm coming up with this rap name. I called him like an old flip phone, right? Back in the day. And I'm like, can you Google the name Head Trip and see if there's any other rappers with this name? <laughs> she got on, she was like, there's one dude in Canada, but he hasn't been active on his MySpace for years. And I was like, mm, that name is mine. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Thanks for mm-hmm. asking. Thank you for asking. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Question. Yeah, that was a great question, Tasha, because I was wondering the same thing. Oh. <laughs> You know, I ran, in, <laughs> I ran into a lieutenant, uh, a friend of mine who I graduated college with at the Armory Bar in Manhattan once. And I was all worried because 
I was afraid people were going to be like, you're not a lieutenant. You never earned your rank. Everybody in there, all the veterans in there, all the dudes in active duty in there were like, I like the name. Let me tell you about some lieutenants I know. And like really fleshed out. Mm -hmm. I'm like writing down notes on a bar napkin. So it hasn't gotten me in too much trouble since. Although I did just have somebody busting my balls, calling me a cop. You know, Lieutenant Detective. I was like, yeah. nah, let's not go there. Yeah. I don't even know why I put it out there. I take it back. Edit it out of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Like, too late for that. We're already here. Too late for that. Too late for that. But my friends call me Trip. Okay. Okay. Um, so now you're like a, a, a rapper, a producer, and an engineer. So tell us about the type of headspace you were in when you just you know what I'm saying, decided to move up to New York. Like, that's crazy. Like, how, how did, what made you do that? From Ohio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Kent, Ohio, Kent State University. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the shooting that happened uh, May 4th, 1970, right? The National Guard opened fire on a bunch of peaceful protesters protesting the Vietnam War, killing four, ruining others' lives entirely with injuries. Anyway, rich cultural background in Kent, but I just wasn't getting enough. You know, I had a lot of international students uh, and professors, kids as friends, but still, it's just a very insulated area. And I just wanted to be in the birthplace of hip hop, you know? Just wanted to take my talents where they could actually be tested. Because as it stood, when I was living in Kent, as a teenager, I was the best rapper around and I just wasn't cutting it for me. I needed other other musicians to challenge me and help me grow. Mm. And some of my favorite hip hop artists were operating out of New York. And that's just all I knew what to do. I was like, I'm gonna move there, get a job at a bar and work my way up the hip hop ranks. I ended up going to college cause I was a pretty good student and I got some scholarships. Um, so to make my parents happy, I took out a bunch of student loans for the first few years that I lived in New York. I graduated, <laughs> got a master's degree, all while starting up my music career out there. Wow. That's really dope. <laughs> yeah, you did a you gotta lot. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do it, you know? Definitely. So, being a cheer, you know, a rapper producing everything, what's your writing process like? Do you listen to the beat first or do you kind of like just start writing right away? It's always different. It's always different. Sometimes I write the music and the lyrics together. Sometimes somebody sends me a beat or I'm collaborating with somebody and I write to what they wrote. Sometimes I write a song to one beat, doesn't work out. I just take the lyrics and put it on mm. something else. But mm -hmm. my general rule is when I feel inspired to write, I write. Much to the detriment of me finishing projects or of me just doing other things, going out, hanging out with my friends. If I have the inspiration to write, I gotta get the words on paper. Because at the end of the day, I'm a writer and a performer, first and foremost. And if it hits me, that might be the best track I've ever been. That might be the track that everybody needs to hear. So mm -hmm. that's the long answer. Short answer is my writing process is, when it hits, I go for it. Definitely. Just like that. Quick Just question, like real real quick. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your, your first rap <laughs> that you ever did? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I remember I was in fifth grade 
and I was in a group called Fat Cap. My name was Busta, and my homie Javier's name was Papa, Papa Cap, Busta Cap. We're so oh, silly. Oh, and the fifth, names. Y'all have fifth the graders. <laughs> right. I know, right? I know. Fifth graders. And it was something like, my name is Pat. I'll be fat with a P-H-A-T is where I'm at. Hey. Uh, and I remember like talking about my buddy selling drugs at school. I was like, <laughs> ah, here's selling drugs and you think it's cool. Some, 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 but you're just a fool. I was all, I was like the number one dare student in my, in my class. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was in fifth grade for everybody at home. Fifth grade. So that was a while, that was a while ago. That's funny. <laughs> it is hella funny. Wow, I love it. Back. I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> back down memory lane. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Okay. Um. Okay, so, you know, speaking of all these crazy wild names, like, exactly how was it working with the infamous DJ and producer Samurai Banana and building the infamous diverse hip-hop rap label, We Are The Karma Kids? You know, I showed up to New York with an 18-song album that I had produced and recorded in Kent, mm-hmm. ready to go. And I went to Fat Beats, this dude Creature that I had seen tour through Cleveland at some point. I gave him a copy. I gave all the dudes working at the record store a copy. And the only person that listened to it was my friend Julia, who I met when I first got to college, right? She was an upperclassman. She gave it to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julia, no, I never make a fool. Yeah. Ah, you got bars. You got bars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Little queen spitting. So he listened to the album front to back, told me he liked it, told me I needed work on my production, told me my verses were too long, told me my song titles were whack, and thus birthed a great relationship. He, also a producer, was like, rap over my beats. I remember we would just sit in his dorm room and he would just go through beat after beat after beat. And as a DJ, he had all these instrumentals from different hip hop artists that I'd heard growing up. And so we started building sets and writing music together and we still write. I mean, I was just in New York. We spent five days in a studio making new tracks, recording some stuff I'd already written. To this day, we've been doing it. And as we started making music, we attracted other people, right? I had my own home studio set up. I'd bring people over to record, just to freestyle, have some fun, play a show in my basement once we moved off campus. And people started asking me if I could help them release their music. And I didn't know what I was doing back then, but you know, fast forward a few years and I was throwing shows in Brooklyn and Queens and recording records and helping people get the word spread about their music too. So it spread from just me and Banana to a larger group of people. And we just had a lot of fun with it. We toured the country. We put out a dozen or so records in that like formation from like 2013 to 2000, I'm gonna say 19 and had a lot of fun with it. Got to meet a lot of really important, really powerful musicians. A lot of fun. Uh, Karma Kids has continued to evolve. We took a little hiatus, but we're back. You know, COVID threw a wrench in, I think, everybody's Mm. plans. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're back, we're we're in full force. We just rebranded a bit, got some new logos going. I'm real excited about it. And Banana's right there with me doing it the whole time. <laughs> Banana, it's good to have so friends, cute. you know. Speaking Banana. of logos, um, Nicole, you were um, we were talking about the logo, yeah, um, before, 
the, the the logo is crazy. I don't know who came up with it, but like, <laughs> describe that logo to everybody listening. So, are we? Which logo are we talking about? The the uh, twins. They're connected by the long. Yeah. So, Karma Kids, right? We're sitting around, and the idea was, how do we come up with a logo that kind of encompasses our punk rock? DIY hip hop energy and also kind of ties back into karma. Because while I'm not a student of many religions, I do feel the need to, to touch base in the words that I use. You know, we came up with that name when we were kids. And to tie it back in, we came up with the idea of Siamese twins that are killing each other. Now, again, that's extremely violent. And that's one of the reasons that I've kind of left it in the past. But my dude dunce cat at the time his partner was this incredible street artist hiss you can check her stuff out hiss x or hiss xx on different social medias she draws cats with a third eye wow so she drew us these siamese twins both with a third eye one smoking a cigarette and one has a weapon to their head and the idea is they're both on the verge of killing each other right yeah um because there are consequences to your actions. Mm. Um, just a simple idea of karma, not too deep. The third eye kind of brings in some spirituality. And I remember we printed that up on shirts. Now my my crew was very live, throw each other around. We played a lot of basements, a lot of just dive bars across the country, as well as larger venues. But we've really found our homes in the dirtier spots. It was a lot of fun. And I remember we rocked the logo for a while and then we printed it on shirts and I was like in Oklahoma on tour with the shirt on at a diner. And everybody was looking at me like there was something wrong with me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best logo to wear <laughs> in the flyover zone. Ooh, so recently we rebranded, uh, spell out whack, W-A-T-K-K with the third eye up top of the T to kind of as a callback to that logo. But mm -hmm. I mean, I gotta say, we turned heads with that thing. It's really well drawn. There's an animated version in some of my old videos. And it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not like rewriting history. I'm not gonna erase that logo from all mm -hmm. the videos that's on. So you can still find it. Um, so I wanna talk about genre. I read in your bio something about uh Def Juke. Is that a genre of music? Def Jux. Is, Def Jux. Okay, I thought it was mm, Def Jux. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. They, they, you know, all these words. How do you pronounce any of them? Right. We're, right. All, just, <laughs> we're all just working our way through a wacky language that has no real spelling rules that stick. So we're just going with it. Def Jux is a record label that was active in New York City in the early okay. 2000s. And okay. really just pushed the boundaries of what it means to make a rap record. I heard uh, Aesop Rock, for example, was on that label. LP from Run The Jewels ran the label. And they just kind of made weird music, which was a really eye-opening thing to me. Uh, I was trying to be in bands as a kid. I played bass guitar. I can't really sing, but I tried to. And all the while I was, our music teacher in middle school taught us how to use a digital audio workstation in iMovie. Mm -hmm. And so I had the skills to make electronic music, but I was trying to be in a band. And when I started listening 
to Def Jux and to Outkast and to Gorillaz and all this like off kilter weird hip hop. I was like, oh, I can write about whatever I want and rap and kind of shifted gears to do that. So hence the migration to New York City where Jeff, Def Jux was uh, a headquarter mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. okay. Um, so I'm not really too familiar with emo music. Um, are you familiar with it? I'm like emo, ain't that an animal? Uh, emo, yeah, emo. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what exactly is emo music? So emo music was a movement, I'm gonna say, in also the early 2000s, the late 90s, that swoopy black bangs kind of matted to the face, off to the side, tight black clothes, um, it was kind of the birth in a way of this of the modern Williamsburg scenester. Right. Tight jeans. Back then we had to buy our skinny jeans in the girls section of wow. the store. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean imagine <laughs> I didn't know that. Imagine the backlash you get when you wear girl jeans and you're a rapper. It was kind of fun, you know, like it, it was it was really eye-opening in a lot of ways for me and the people observing me and my boys. So emo is like a very it stands for it's short for emotional right? yeah okay and it's just very emotional sad and I, and I don't want to say depressing because it's almost like empowering um in a very kind of bleak way music thursday dashboard confessional are some of the big names that came out of the emo movement and it could go from acoustic guitarist to full band with like electric guitars screaming all that stuff i was right outside the emo movement i was more in like the pop punk movement and kind of the vestiges of of garage rock and garage punk Mm -hmm. as i as i kind of intertwined the genres in my own music but all my boys were listening to emo and crying about girls and uh, on a drake (laughs) yeah and and you know drake drake has a lot of emo tendency and a lot of emo vibes. I definitely see how he has at least, you know, been influenced, if not picked and chosen some stylistic things from the emo movement of the early 2000s. Most definitely, because you are a product of your environment. Like, I mean, you picked up a lot of things from your, the lieutenants around you, to your professors, to your teachers. I mean, it's incredible how you kind of, you know, came up with your own headspace music. It's in my head, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you cannot deny that, and I love it. And, you know what I'm saying? Speaking of genres of music and things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? Like, rap music, like, you shared the stage with both Biz, Marquis, and mm-hmm. Ghostface Killer. Like, tell me what that experience was like for yeah. you. Yeah. I mean... That's only fun. <laughs> it was wild. The Biz Marquis gig came to me as kind of an accident. I don't do pay to play. Anybody out there that wants to be a musician, if you got a promoter telling you to sell a certain amount of tickets to be on a bill, not worth your time. Don't do it. You need to get paid to play, not the other way around. So there's this promoter who generally set up those kind of shows. He calls me, asks me if I want to be on this gig, opening for Bismarcky and Slick Rick. And I'm like, nah, find some other clown to convince to sell tickets and he's like no 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 you don't have to sell the tickets it's this friday i had a i had a act drop off i just need you to perform that's all you have to do wow and i was like say less let's do this right 
I, what a show. We played at the Gramercy Theater in, in Manhattan. Huge place, like enormous, biggest place I'd ever seen. They gave me a cordless mic. I snuck in 11 people. Dang. 11 people paid 30, 30, 30 yeah, $30 to get into the show <laughs> for me. So I, you know, I brought, and then I brought five people on my team to sell my merch, to back me up on stage. I brought all my boys up and we absolutely crushed. I mean, I had the audience, like we're talking Bismarcky, Slick Rick fans. Right. This right. is a much older demographic than I'm used to playing for, right? I'm playing to college kids mostly at this point in my career. And I got these like middle old ladies going, drilling a hole in your head gets you high. One of my hit songs at the time. It was a blast. I sold more merch before I even went on the stage Damn. than I've ever sold at an entire gig. Just because wow. people were ready for it. At the very end of my set, my DJ breaks a record, right? Smashes it. I'm screaming into the mic getting real emo on these people and the stage hand is freaking out and I'm looking off stage. It's a controlled break. It's a controlled break. But you know, trying to calm her down. Very end of the night. I'm up in the catwalk, right? With the producers. And they're, I'm filling out my paperwork to get my 30 bucks or whatever I made for playing that show. And that stage hand hands me a beer. And she's like, you like Budweiser, you more Tecate guy. And I'm like, I'll take the Cerveza, thanks. But I thought like, I thought we were in a fight. And she's like, I'm off the clock. That was a great performance. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got to, I saw the biz, may he rest in peace and slick Rick, the master of storytelling mm -hmm. backstage. I didn't approach, I wasn't rude about it, but you know, from afar, gave the respect. Although my boy literally bumped in to Bismarcky, trying to find the bathroom. Bounced off the dude's belly. The dude was <laughs> so tall. And Biz just goes, Ugh. and is on his way. And Dang. honestly, that is a beautiful interaction if I've ever seen one. Now, who was the other? Oh, Ghostface Killer. So that was through my university. I played on a stage directly on the other side of the field from Ghostface, directly after his set. And we had built up this album release rollout for our project, Go Hard or Go Homeless. And so my friends were holding up the sign. We were couch surfing, you know, it was our senior year. Some of my boys had already graduated and we didn't know what we were gonna do with our lives. So we made a record about it. And Ghostface from the stage is like, go hard or go homeless. That reminds me of when we were selling tapes out the back of Riz's trunk back in Shaolin, mad respect. The second that he's done performing is the end of the year festival. Everybody just, you know, goes 50 feet to the stage on the other side, the whole crowd. And we hit it off. I would be remiss to not say that Ghostface and his crew lingered on that stage to watch us perform wow. our set. And some of his family that were up on stage with him joined the audience and we tore the roof off. I mean, that I think that one's still up on online if you search Hofstra Fest, it's the college I went to, Sarcasmo, C4, you'll find that. It was a great performance. And that was early in my career, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was, those were the biggest names that I would to this day probably play with 
and that happened years and years ago. And I quickly learned that dude creature that I brought up earlier explained、mm-hmm. to me like cherish these big moments, make everything you can out of them. You might not get another opportunity to open for Slick Rick at the Grammar Center. Right, right, right. You know, and so I did. I documented all of it. I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had through different promoters through the university that I attended, and I keep it moving. My favorite performers are people not a lot of people have heard of, but <laughs> it is a lot of fun to tell stories about opening and playing bigger stages. Okay, well, go into that. Like, Nick, try us. Like, try tell us one performer that you think that we may not know, and tell us、well, a story right, about it. Right now, my boy is Billy Woods and Elusive. <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> had to play it real quick. <laughs> they recently put out an album with Alchemist, a producer that you have you've heard the dudes piece. Um, under the name Arm and Hammer. Now, bacon soda, bacon soda. <laughs> so, you know, seven years ago, I was trying to be a part of their scene. Two years after that, I was booking them shows. I booked the first Arm and Hammer show at a dive bar in Astoria, and now they're internationally touring. They're finally popping off. Both of them getting the dues they deserve. I went and saw them in Portland. Hundreds of people coming to see them play, and it's like a beautiful thing to watch these artists that I was sharing an audience of 20 people with in Brooklyn when we were all living there. Both of them are from Brooklyn. Now, tour international. It's a beautiful、mm. thing. And then you got like my homie Googie, who we put out a couple records on Karma Kids of his. People love his music. G double O G I E, and just sharing a stage with him is a beautiful thing. So, you know, it's all it's all relative, and you got to make the most of every performance that you take on. Now, I wanted to backtrack real, real, real quick.、Uh-huh. So, you mentioned you play the bass. You don't play anything else, any other instruments? Uh, you know, I can I can mess around with some keys. I get down on some drum pads. Okay. Okay. I played drums in a punk band for a little bit. Um, but I'm more you know percussion. You can hit a keyboard. You can hit a drum machine. Bass is a very percussive instrument, so that's those are my main tools outside of the software that I use to produce. Who are some of your favorite producers besides yourself? Hmm, my favorite、mm. producers beside myself. I mean, again, I'm a little I'm a little partial to my own label. Teddy Faley's an incredible beat maker and a rapper. I came up listening to LP, right? Of Run the Jewels, produce Prince Paul. I, I fell in love with MF Doom's beats when I was a kid.、Mm-hmm. I learned about Dr. Dre when I got to college. I love his early work directly with George Clinton when he started the G Funk era, you know. But there's just like countless producers that have inspired me. I'm also inspired by punk bands.、Mm-hmm. And to be a producer on a rock album or a funk album, as I've learned, helping Basil and the Supernaturals produce some of their new singles is a much different thing. But you're still in the studio creating the music. So the rock band Primus had a big、uh, influence on my early work.、Um, and as far as hip hop producers go nowadays, I've been really into Zodiac, spelled with a one instead of an I, out of Akron. She makes incredible beats. Oh, is she? Okay, shout out. Okay,、me. finally a woman producer.、Right. I love it. Yeah.、Yes. Oh yeah. There's a、Man. lot. There's a lot of of women in hip hop 
yeah. Especially, especially right now, that are finally getting attention that, that they deserve. For Amen. sure. Amen. For real, though. Amen. Right. That's that's real talk. LT head trip. Now, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. We got less than ten minutes on this joint. We got like oh, five, exactly. like less than seven minutes. You know what I'm saying. And right. I could talk to you all day. I'm sure little Tasha Queen can talk to you all day. Too. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I wanted to get into your, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, get into your head about the song, So In My Head, because mm. that joint was every freaking where, and the video was absolutely crazy. Naked! He was naked! <laughs> yeah, I do a lot I'm, of overlays. You don't actually, like, actually see anything. <laughs> you know, what can I say? I put myself out there in more ways than one. You know, I think that being vulnerable is an exciting thing for me as an artist. And I think it brings me to another level. So when I wrote this song, I don't really sing like that, right? And I'm a little emo. I'm a little sing-songy on this track. I'm a little more melodic than usual. And it was a time when I was leaving New York. I decided, I, my ex and I, we decided to split up. I was, I was the one leaving. The, the city she stayed and it was a huge transition and it's so hard to get out of your head mm. you know I spent a lot of time right up here and so I wrote a song called so in my head now I have as I mentioned before a song about trepanation which is the act of drilling a hole in your head to reach enlightenment it makes you permanently high I mean I don't think mm. the song's not on streaming anymore, but you can find it on Bandcamp. It's called Trippination. Drilling a hole in your head gets you high. So this was a play on, I'm sewing my head shut. Because mm-hmm. I'm so in my head that I'm sewing my head shut, right? Um, I filmed the music video when I first moved to Portland and was staying with my partner in a crappy motel right by the airport. And I was like, this is depressing. We gotta make a music video. Actually, my, my dude Dunscap was like, you gotta make a music video about this. So I was like, all right. So we took this old 1997 Sony camcorder that I've been carrying around and shot this like very visually striking, very warm video around the song and just kind of put it out there. The B-side's also very vulnerable. And if, if nothing else, I hope that releasing songs like this can help people understand that it's okay to be vulnerable in the public eye. It's okay to switch gears. And we all deal with with mental health issues, whether it's, you know, surface level where you get a discount to three or you need a SSRI or you need some talk therapy, which I definitely suggest if you're on meds, get a talk therapist, it can help. You know, get it out. Don't stay in your head. There's mm-hmm. professionals out there and a lot of your loved ones are, are there for you to talk to you about what's going on in your life. Uh, it's not all just like punk rock and pushing through and spitting the dopest bars. It's also taking care of yourself, you know? And Basil, the, the funk band that I tour with, uh, Basil and the Supernaturals, has really helped me not only unlock that part of my music, but also unlock the melodic part of my music. Because while I'm not a strong singer, I can learn and I can figure out how to do it. It just takes a little mm-hmm. bit of time. Thanks for asking about that single. That was a lot of fun. I'm going to re-release it in the fall. Um, I animated the cover art a little bit. So be on the lookout for that when the weather starts cooling off. I know oh, we don't definitely. have a lot of time. I, mm-hmm. I, oh, we got four minutes. We limited, <laughs> but um, 
just real quick, I like his song, Catch That Fairy. I like the, the yeah. video animation. I'm like, yo, <laughs> he's really, really funny. And the one, um, what's it called? And uh, uh, Neck Right? And your Neck Right? Yeah, I'm looking at, yeah. I'm like, you would not think that he was a rapper. Like, you don't right. come across to mm-hmm. me as a rapper. Like, LT Head Trip, when you hear that, okay, LT Head Trip, okay. Tattoos, mm-hmm. maybe, okay. Right. A lot right, of jewelry right. and stuff like that. And then I'm like, yeah. he ain't no rapper, man. I'm cracking up at your <laughs> yeah. video. I called this hip hop. I was like, yo, this shit is so fucking funny. Like, he it's fucking hilarious. calls me on you know? the phone. I was this, it was man. hilarious because I'm like, yo, this this ain't real. Like, it, I'm like the collar shirt, the khakis, everything. He's just like, yo, that shit is hilarious. I really appreciate that, you know? And I mean, you are Ms. Hip Hop. You know, like, I, I have been so welcomed into hip hop from the moment that I started. Of course, you face challenges when you start something, you know, when you come into a scene that isn't yours. Hip hop is black music. I'm a white dude from Ohio. You know, like, how do I fit into this global phenomenon that started in the Bronx with black mm-hmm. people making great music and following a long tradition of incredible African-American music. And I just am myself. I talk about who I am and I'm generally welcomed with right. open arms. And it's been a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. I mean, here I am on a podcast with Ms. Hip Hop herself. You know, <laughs> like I opened yep. for Slick Rick. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, I've just had incredible opportunity and through all of it, I defy the laws of tradition, but I respect the heritage and I respect the culture so much. You know, it's important to respect the greats and know where you come from. And I think that that is one of the main things that has helped me stay in the lane that I'm in. I'm myself, I'm unapologetically unique, but I have nothing but love and respect for those who paved the way before me and continue to pave the way into future endeavors. Amen, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you close it out and tell everybody where they can hear your music at and what you're gonna be doing next. Just close it out. You got one minute, 45 seconds, let's go. I bet, I got this. So you can find me anywhere at LT Head Trip, H-E-A-D-T-R-I-P. Instagram, Twitter, you can send me an email, ltheadtrip <laughs> at gmail.com. If you want an overview, ltheadtrip.com. I'm sure there's going to be links in the notes. I got another album coming out this fall that I produced with a bunch of my friends, Posse Cuts for Days, a lot of fun. If you want to look up We Are The Karma Kids, you can find out what my homies are doing as well. I'm going to be back in the Carolinas in October, early October and late September. I'm going to be in Northeast Ohio and some in the Midwest tour. I'm with Basil and the Supernaturals. Again, you can find my tour dates online and just find me where you find me. I also run a podcast company called Odd Conduit Media. Look that up if you want some stuff on some uh, video games and some comic books. And in the meantime, get out there, write that song that's in your heart, express yourself, Love yourself. Tell your friends you love them. I got to shout out Lamont Manuel, Rich Jones, Colossal Structure in Chicago. Lil Queen, Ms. Hip Hop, Queen Star. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. You're welcome. I encourage everybody out there, speak your mind. Don't stop till you get what you want. (laughs) Much respect. Peace and love. I'm talking about. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you again. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Tasha Queen. Love.